Like children's video games, yeah. No, it just made me so like triple A like baseball, like major major league. Major league video games. Major league video games, yeah. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> at the expense of having a fan that is audible. Yeah. That that's a sound. Games. Interesting. What a concept. Yeah. I like my slow, slow. Sexy thin Mac. Have you met my sexy, sexy thin Mac that just restarts whenever, you know, just whenever, just whenever you wanna, you would like to use a program that involves like CPU. Your computer, yeah. Um, maybe not today. Yeah. Yeah, yours is real chunky and ugly. Like that's a that's an overweight computer. I think if we, I'm not trying to computer shame, you know. I yeah, uh, but I'm saying, I don't know about this movement about loving all these big computers. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, my computer makes sounds because it works. Also, there's a Tinder for musicians. All right, what does this mean? Is it for? Is it a Tinder as in, like, musicians dating other musicians? Or is it a Tinder, like, just for people to find other people to play with? Yes. To play with. Play to play with? with? No, to play. No. To play. I can't stop. No, to, can't play. to play. To um, play. Okay. So um, it's not for banging. But it's it called is, Tinder for no, musicians? It's called Bamper. Okay. Uh huh. It does look like vampire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but it has like really high engagement. Really? Yeah. I. Who is going to find people to play? People that are really bad at their instrument? No, they're. They're people that are good? They're good. They're just. They're thirsty. They're thirsty. But they're also. Do they not go to like a venue and meet people like the normal way? I guess it's like people with the internet these days, with the internet these days, these kids, they're not going out, they're not touching each other. They need to just message back and forth forever. Or they're not, you know, jamming. Remember jamming? Remember open mics? I was trying to, I was trying to, well, I was, man, Liam and I were talking about this on tour. Are they net bad? You know? Because I want to say open mics are bad because I've worked a lot of open mics that were very bad, and but then do they, they do they provide a net positive to give people an outlet, you know, to find each other? Everyone playing their Joni Mitchell covers and I'm sorry, I just chose a random person. Who are they? They're doing like they're doing wagon wheel. You're right. I think it's bad. I but here's the thing. I think it's something like an uh-huh. open mic should exist. Okay. But it shouldn't be the format that it is. What should be the... You sh- everyone can't play? <laughs> uh, no, That's just a normal show. Sorry, That's like an actual rock show. It's like, you can't play. You're not in the band that's supposed to play. So the problem is, is I, I don't know what you're fostering by 
like having it geared towards um like purely like acoustic guitar at like you know it's mm-hmm. just so well, so, so early guitar. college, I would go to this open mic at a co-op, and, right. and, and, and there was a community that formed, and I would say what it, what it did specifically there, and I've never been to an open mic like this open mic. Every open mic since college I've been to is, like, a horrible place, but for me, I've, I've had a bad time, but um, that open mic in college, it was, like, an every other week at a it was like a house show kind of vibe people were drinking they were hanging out people would go just to like you know have something to do with their friends or their girlfriend or whatever and then um it was a huge mixture of like very talented people and very not talented people but no one played for that long it was like you know everyone was one or two songs it wasn't because sometimes you'll be i've gone to somewhere they're like they give everyone a set you know, like 20 minutes. That's way too long. Um, okay, so it was like pretty short. But then also, I would say what was cool about it, the thing that made it not terrible, was that it a real community formed around it and it connected specifically with the crowd that it drew, connected musical music student people. So like I was in the music school, but the music school at uh, University of Michigan is on North Campus. And it, some music students sometimes really are separated from the main body of people and then thus disconnected yeah we were disconnected but from there's plenty of people that like music and play music that weren't in music school and uh so it was kind of a place where yeah it forged connections um and then it would be like oh i'm a recording engineer your music's actually good do you want to go to the studio and record and um that was pretty cool Uh huh. What about the public open mic? Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never seen a good one. Um, there was that weird one on tour that was like a, it was like, is this an open mic? But you have to pay to play. Remember, we saw people. We were walking. We were playing a venue in L.A. and we walked by where we were loading. There was a a next door. There was an open mic happening. I mean, that was a stand up open mic, and it was pay to play. It was pay to play, and. Right, and I was like, is AA happening concurrently? Is it like stand-up, open mic AA? <laughs> but then it's also like, is it just like all the comics need AA too? So it's kind of like just, just killing, just, yeah, two stones, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Two stones? Yeah. One bird. Two, two uh, birds. Two one, one bird. Nope. Nope. It's, <laughs> it's two birds, one stone. That w- yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. So, <laughs> open mics publicly for adults. I don't know. They seem to be all bad. I don't know. Yeah, if I... If you, are, if you have gotten past the point of age 22 mm-hmm. and you still don't have the chops or social skills right. to, like a human being I don't know if you're gonna make it sorry right now that said something that I just you don't know if they're gonna make it yeah like in the music world or just in the world I don't know if you're gonna make it (laughs) something that I 
saw and participated in that was good uh-huh. was uh, bluegrass open jams. Okay. Yeah, like a rotating, like are there musicians that are always there and then you can come up and... Yeah. Okay. So, no, 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 but you don't go and you don't perform for the people. That's the thing. There's no, there's no expectation of audience. It's just a, a, a jam. Whoever's there, you can hang, you can play. Jam, so there's there would be three circles. Uh huh. Um, and there would be like a uh, usually a beginner circle, an advanced circle, and then a non-traditional circle. Oh, that's kind of nice. Spread out throughout the building. Uh huh. And there would be kind of official and unofficial leaders of the circles that like new teams. Okay. So then you would sit in the circle and you would play along to songs. Uh-huh. You know, like, here are songs. Uh-huh. You know how they go. <laughs> and, and then it's bluegrass, so there's, like, lots of extended like, mm-hmm. solos and stuff. And then uh, you just go around the circle and take a solo if you feel comfortable. And then if you're in the beginner circle, you know, there's less expectation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Advanced circle, if you fuck up, like, a chord change or something, they'll be, like, maybe not the advanced circle for you. Right, okay, okay. And then the non-traditional circle, that's where you would do, like, you know, funk covers in a bluegrass style, you know. Yeah. The kids. They're so crazy. Going a little outside. Yeah. but the, the concept is like you're you're playing and if you know a song, you can lead a song. You know, you can sing the song and like go and, you know, do the changes and gotcha. to people and stuff. And that felt very productive. Uh-huh. That felt like I mean, there was great networking. Uh-huh. You learned stuff, you played music, and you made friends. But what you didn't like you didn't like make your band that night and then right. play in front of people. Uh-huh. I think that it's I think that the profound mentally ill part of an open mic is that you're playing for like you feel like you're playing for an audience. Right, it's this fo- audience of people that are all forced to watch you because yeah. they want to play too. And then and then you watch people be like I'm playing in front of an audience. Yeah. No, nah, that's sad. <laughs> that's, that's and, and and not that you should like I also think that like you should be able to play a show and fucking bomb mm-hmm. like you absolutely should like that should be encouraged yeah don't play bad shows suck ass on stage but you need to know that you just did bad right well how else do you get better I guess exactly. and that is the the issue with the open mics I sound for so I was there by force of paycheck and um, everyone was adults at these and they were very bad at music but uh, seemingly entirely unaware right no no nothing you have to start bad You, no one starts good and even if you don't become good that's still beautiful and valid and I'm happy that you're pursuing a thing that you like doing, but you should never feel like you're entitled to an audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is where the mental illness starts to happen. And it, that's like, where do mental illnesses start? 
Are they genetic? Are they born? They, they started open mics? They started open mics. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad we figured that one out. Cancel open mics. <laughs> Close. The mic is closed. All right. You're going to tell me about this uh, scene today? Yeah, let's talk about a thing we're not canceling today. Uh, okay. Not yet. Watch out. Ooh, Scotland. And it seems to be like like from what I've uh, what I've found uh, because it's very interesting because there's a lot of like famous scenes okay throughout the history of music Seattle in the early nineties uh, Detroit and techno Detroit techno Detroit also Motown right that's a scene the Nashville scene in the like mid seventies. Uh, you know, the idea of there's just like a group of musicians that all know each other and they help each other out. They play on each other's records uh, and, you know, they build each other up and then the music from a given region or time uh, is better as a result. Totally. And there are lots of famous examples of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that the Lost Map scene is a not so famous example of it, but it still yields the same very interesting and good results. Tell um, me more. So it started out of, um, the history goes all the way back to 1997, mm -hmm. where uh, Fence Records was founded by uh, King Creosol, who was a, uh, it's pretty folky. Okay. Uh, and King Creosol. Uh, I like the name. Yes. Oh, no, he's King Creosol. Don't bother. And it's, uh, you know, it's... I hate when, when people have an epic name like that, and then they're like, and his real name is Greg. Yeah. <laughs> he's King Creosol for a reason. Let him be. Leave the man alone. Don't out him. This is King Creosol, and he started doing, you know, some nice Scottish-style... Modern folk. Okay. Which, uh, Scottish accent. Very, very good accent. Oh, good one of the best. One people. of the best. Absolutely. Um, it's very pleasant. And he uh, he started working at a record store. Mm -hmm. As you, you know, That's a club. Yeah. The move. Hipster. So he started you know, meeting people at the record store and everything. And uh, he just decided that he would just start his own label. As you do. Yeah. You know? uh, so he started Fence Records, which he kind of uh, basically seems like he butted around on for a few years because he was, you know, doing his King Creosol thing, running his record store, making his own music. Uh, and then those early Fence Records uh, releases seem to be very King Creosol heavy. You know? He was putting, he was self-releasing, but on a, on his own label. A classic move. Uh-huh. Um, so then he met the, uh, the Pictish Trail, who was another musician. Oh, that's not like a path I can hike upon? No. Johnny. He <laughs> met Johnny. 
The Pictish Trail. Pictish Trail. Okay. And Pictish Trail, way more ambitious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so Pictish Trail joins Fence Records. Okay. Forces combined. Takes over a lot of the uh, the administrative and bureaucratic side. Oh, the boring the, shit. The boring shit, and also like scouting talent and developing talent. That's all also it. boring shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and everything that I've read on the these like early years of Fence Records, um, they all allude to King Creosol being unhappy with the new direction of Fence Records or taking a leave. And, and every single article has, like, a different year uh-huh. in which King Creosol fucked off. Okay. Uh, from his own label. From his own label. Uh, some of them as early as 2003, some of them as late as 2012. So he's just in and out. He's in and out. He's a revolving door of King Creosol. King Creosol has released 40 albums. 40. 40 albums. Is, what is his album? L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> yeah, it's the L. Ron Hubbard of Scottish folk. Wow. Um, 40. And the last few... That's are, output. Um, the last few King Creosol records are pretty interesting. Also, King Creosol has grown the fan base through those 40 records mm-hmm. like pretty impressively. Like, it's something like 150,000 Spotify monthly listeners. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. King Creosol is now kind of famous. Yeah, okay. Um... And then the last few records he did with, like, an electronic producer, so there's kind of, like, some pushing outside of those folk confines, and it's very interesting. All right. King King Creosol. But King Creosol, like, clawed... There's no secret daddy Uh King Creosol. He's just clawing and clawing and clawing for the last 30 years and 40 albums. So what has he been doing with his clawing? Just playing shows and putting stuff out? Kind of bopping around the world. Has he? It, does he tour outside of Scotland? Okay, very cool. All right. But his relationship with Fence Records seems to be in and out. His own label. So does he ever release on a different label? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, it's hard to say. There just seems to be some contention. There's a lot of like vague allusions to. He was unhappy with the direction it was taken. And was the direction just, it's not only him? Eh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be that it's very uh, focused on networking and, like, developing other artists. Seems to be the, the issue. <laughs> so, uh, Pictish Trail is spearheading the Fence records from 2003 to 2012. Okay. And uh, Fence officially dissolves oh so it's no longer yes it becomes uh lost map okay so it's the it's a story of two labels that are the same label but but a name change rebrand and uh, is one more successful because we were just talking about name change rebrands ah they're about the same okay okay gotcha I see. Well, there's a separation. Is Lost Map absolutely not King Creosol? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no involvement. So, but the thing is, is okay, regardless of those juicy um, hearsay elements, 
Um, Fence Records just starts putting out um, material that sounds good. Uh-huh. Okay, and that's the thing. Like, I'm going through the, the discography of Lost Map and the Fence Fans and everything, mm-hmm. and what is the overwhelming sense is that I'm clicking through a massive discography because, like, you know, King Creosol's released 40 albums. Right. Um, all of these Fence and Lost Map bands are all as prolific. They're all recording and releasing stuff all of the time. Each of them has a 40-album discography? I don't know if anyone's hitting 40, <laughs> but there are a lot of bands, and they are putting out a lot of stuff. Okay. And as I click through, it's just like, wow, all of these mixes are good. Uh-huh. Like, some things are, um, you know, pretty straightforward rock or folk. And yeah. And there are some things that are, like, pushing, like, some pretty heavy electronic boundaries and everything. It's a real grab bag. But even when it's, uh, you know, kind of maybe middle-of-the-road material, uh-huh. it still sounds good. Is it the same person mixing and producing all of it? I don't know. It's, it's never listed. The engineering credits are never listed on any of these albums. Oh, that's bizarre. But it, does it sound like a style? Like, is it, it sounds universally good. So I think that there's at least quality control uh-huh. coming from somewhere in the scene okay which i think it, that's the thing that i think really sets this apart if i was to pick anything uh-huh you know it's someone is making sure that people are putting out stuff that sounds bad uh-huh it's very easy within a uh a diy thing to uh to just put out stuff that sounds bad yeah uh when and then especially like pouring through you know, hours and hours and hours of self-released and DIY material. Mm-hmm. Mixes are bad, you know? Usually. They're usually bad. Right. And that's what... I want it to sound bad. Though. I cannot tell you how many people have told me that where there there's a separation between an understanding of something can sound garagey or it can sound like bedroom poppy or it, and not sound bad. And that is, there's like this strange, um, I don't get what it is in people that don't seem to understand. You're not killing the, um, you're not killing the aesthetic by making something, uh, listenable. listenable, Yeah. It's just the difference between it working on speakers. Right, you know? across speakers, not just your, like, little dinky speakers in your room. I don't even think it sounds good on your little dinky speakers. <laughs> it sounds bad. I'll just, oh, man, it makes a difference. Because I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening to so much stuff. And most of the time I'm just like, mix bad, mix bad, mix bad, mix bad. And then when I get, when I'm going through, like, the self-release DIY catalog and something sounds like it is good right i'm listening to that song yeah well and i guess that's like the frustrating thing when you do make stuff that is mixed well and your uh diy uh is then when you listen because it is just like there's this plethora of there's you know a huge pool of creators that are diy and a significantly smaller pool of creators that are 
uh, more mainstream on a label with representation. And it is like, you know, people can be on a label, on a mainstream label, and it can sound not great. But for the most part, that is a consistent uh, major label. You know, they're not putting out something that doesn't sound like it's mixed well. I mean, that is the, that is the, like, more than it necessarily being composed well, more than it being interesting production or innovative in any way, um, the consistent thing that they are best at is putting out stuff that sounds polished, um, as far as mixing, you know? And so I wish we could just raise that standard for us all. Mm-hmm. is that it feels like it's a group of people that are constantly raising the standards of each other. Uh-huh. And that's what I think the music scene should be. Totally, yeah. And uh, so what we've got, Pictus Trail is spearheading it. They've got some interesting stuff. Okay. They're, and Pictus Trail kind of is the, I think, perfect example of someone like, Grabbing a hold of like a like a moderate foothold uh-huh. in the good industry, okay, and then just pulling as many people as they can along with them, right? Um, so, which I is, I mean, that's like a thing to po- like. That's just an important thing that I feel like um, is sometimes lost. Uh, it, that like, obviously, you can't pull up other people when you have absolutely no fan base or uh, resources. But um, how many people get those things and feel like it's never enough and they're always at odds? It's always a competition. Um, And the thing that makes it not a competition with something artistic is that no one is going to make... I mean, people might copy your style, but no one is you. And I guess... When the reason I think I uh, have an easier time getting away from that competition mindset is that when you make, I know that we make like very original sounding stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, for some original sounding stuff, and and I have no fear that someone's gonna make something that sounds like it and take the you know the person yeah. that lo- the. Ten people that listen to it away. <laughs> Pictus Trail. Uh, yes, you are describing Pictus Trail. You're, it's also the phenomena of big dick energy. Mm-hmm. Oh. has big dick energy. Yeah. Like straight up. Okay. So the thing is, uh, where I think that the success of the label and Pictus Trail originates is there is the Green Man Festival in Scotland. Uh-huh. And it started as a pretty small-sized fest, like a 1,000 capacity in 2003, mm-hmm. uh, which Pictish Trail played. A 1,000 is quite big, even it's though it's for a small, you know, it's small, it's no Bonnaroo, but... You know, I mean, like, think of it as uh, um, the one that was at Tangent, Whatever fest. Whatever fest. That's Rip. Whatever fest size. Yeah. Rest in peace. Whatever fest. So, kind of. Uh, <laughs> rest restfully with some sexual misconduct allegations. Whatever fest. So, uh, 
<laughs> when we're talking about a 1,000 capacity festival, uh-huh. that's that. You know? Yeah, it, which it's was fun. It was a blast. I mean... It's good. It's something you can put together with your friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where Green Man starts. Yeah. Um, and when you look up Pictish Trail, they have played every single Green Man since 2003. That's kind of their, you know... It's their fest. Their claim to fame. Okay. So the thing is, is Green Man Fest blows up. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's what happens over the time. So it starts with like kind of a local fest between buds, uh, and then it goes through a series of ownership shares, changing hands. It's now the only major festival in Europe uh, managed by a woman. Really? Hashtag. Go boss. Go boss. We see you. It goes from 1,000 cap local fest to, I think it's currently 30,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. That's and, pretty big. That's uh, 10 out of 10 Kathy Griffin's big. Headliners last year. I mean, we're talking about... Uh, You did. You did sound for them at Flux, right? Uh, they did Flux. I didn't. You didn't do that one. I didn't do that one. Um, I've heard they're really good live. I've also heard that good band. Shout out, famous band. Accidentals played with them uh, before they were, before they were big. Is that weird? Or maybe it was members of them in a different band or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it wasn't with Black... There's some connection. I might be botching this. There's some connection between them before they were famous and Accidentals, I think, in Europe, because they're from overseas, right? Yes. Uh, PJ Harvey, Future Island, Angel Olsen, you know, oh, Connor Oberst. Can I just talk how much I hate Future Islands? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to... Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm just going on a sub rant. Okay. I love 480. Favorite label. I pretty much like everything they put out. Future Islands. Huge miss. Algorithm. If you're listening, please stop sending me Future Islands. I don't like their music. It really does negative nothing for me. It feels like I'm stuck at an open mic when it's like an open mic dad with a backing band. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. Stop feeding it to me. I don't like the national either. I hate the national. Yeah. I hate I the really national. You know who loves the national? Normies. Sad, lonely normies. Just normies. <laughs> so turn off this podcast. Sorry, we're just alienating as many people yeah. as we possibly can. I just it will and the thing about the national specifically is that it's fake taste. Cuz the the thing is it's fine like it's like if you like Justin Bieber, you know you love Justin Bieber and that's fine and you like don't delude yourself into thinking you have taste. You're like I love fucking Justin Bieber. Fuck yeah. You know? The national fans are like up their own assholes and it sucks. I'm going to go to a record store. Ugh. derivative of good stuff from the late 70s with an absolutely black hole of charisma for a front person and it's just 
oh, but what if we reinterpreted that black hole of charisma as a depressed, tortured soul that, um... He's just a dad, you guys. He's, He's just, just a, a dad. dad. And, like, I'm sure that being a dad is depressing, which is also... Oh, because then, like, especially if you're a dad to, like, a girl, then you have to, like, you can't... You can't go just, like... I don't know, it's probably depressing because now you have to, like, respect other women and, like, that really... <laughs> I don't know. That's I, I, it's not fair to the National. I don't know. I just hate their music. For all the sad dads out there, maybe think twice about your support yeah, though I gotta say, I do think, I think we have, the National is mainly supported by Sad Libs, Sad Lib Dad, Sad Lib Dad that, like, reads the New York Times and does the Sunday crossword, like, you know, uh-huh, oh, do they? Anyway, I'm sorry. What what were you, you were telling me about, <laughs> about the festival? Green Man Fest. So I'm just you know it sounds familiar. Also, that's kind of cool that it's called Green Man Fest because like there was a there's a green man who's sort of like was he's in in the music video for our song Steps and like was sort of like a guiding kind of like imagery uh, for the first album. So. Yes. Cool. Green man. Rock on green man. Green man. Um, green men. So I'm just kind of like illustrating that in 2003 it started as like a pretty like, you know, like a fest between buds. Mm-hmm. And now uh, like the 2015 green man St. Vincent headline. <gasps> okay. So My girl. That's 2015. So that's like, you know, height of St. Vincent in many ways. Uh, you know, but rising budding right well that's rising buddy i feel like musically maybe height but then like fame wise height has been oh, more recent right. okay so saint vincent at his best yeah uh headline green man uh but then that said they've got these headliners but then they still have the you know the local scottish scene uh-huh representing and so kickfish trail has played every single one of these and i think it was 2007 to push the fence label which then eventually became uh, uh, Lost Map. Uh, they started doing. Uh, actually, I'm wrong. They did it for Lost Map, not Fence. My bad. Okay. Uh, Boo! Storytelling. Yeah, I <laughs> fucked up. So Pictish Trail is doing Green Man, and Green Man is getting big. Mm-hmm. So they want to launch all of their Lost Map people. So they make these postcards okay. that have download codes for all the bands. Mm-hmm. And they are just, you know, they're they're in, you know, they're in Green Man. They're grandfathered in. Right. Like, they run it. Uh, or they're involved in the infrastructure of running it. They have played every single one. Right. We don't know. We don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. They pass out thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of these postcards. Uh-huh. Every single year. The free downloads? Yeah. Um, but it's to push all of these bands that are on this label. Is it like is it like all the band's music or is it like a sampler pack of the label? Because I like I love when people do that. It's a label sampler. Yeah. I feel what happened to label samplers? That used to be there was like that used to be a thing. That used to be a thing. I feel like I don't it's still a thing. Is it? For lost map. Okay. Cause lo- label samplers were really fun. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. No, no, no. That was okay. People stop thinking thinking of things as scenes with multiple people. Well, if you're on the internet, then what does where does it matter where you are in real life? Well, and there is, okay, and the benefit of the internet is if you are really into a scene of music and you're not physically in that place, you can still connect with the scene. But I do think there's this, like, valuable thing to having a physical manifestation of the center home base of a scene that is, uh, I don't know, is it lost or is it just not happening for certain things that I happen to be interested in right now? Well, I mean, I would say that it's, I think that because of the consolidation of media Mm -hmm. and the consolidation of the internet, that it's very hard to find out that these things are happening. But like right now, we were confronted with an example of this thing actively happening. Right. You know? Yeah. Because Lost Map is still active and still doing this strategy and Mm -hmm. still working. You know, they're running um, like sold out runs of small vinyl for acts that are uh, you know, sitting at under a thousand Spotify monthly listeners. Right, right. This is a successful small label. Right, totally. Okay, so they're handing out the sampler pack download codes at these festivals. Yes. The festivals are growing. Festivals it grows growing. the label. Yes. And then, like, no, there are very few acts on the label that are, like, crossing, like, major streaming thresholds. Uh-huh. Anything, but they're all able to put out good-sounding music very regularly that has people, like, buying these small vinyl batches. You know what I was going to say is that uh, I think one of the, like, genres that still does, like, having having a scene and having um, an identity based on a physical location very well is the rap community. Like, I feel like you don't get that as much as in indie or rock and roll or, you know, uh, even even though Detroit's the home of techno, there's like, it's a spread out thing. Uh, I don't know that maybe that's not fully true because people do come, you know, techno month is upon us. We're in May. But I last night I did sound for uh, Saba was the headliner uh, and he but he's part of as they repeated throughout the night, the pivot gang. Um, and I sound like a, like a dumbass, like, he is a, he's a part of the pivot gang. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea who anyone was going in. It was, like, one of the best rap shows I've ever seen, first of all. Um, everyone was, like, was, was really great, and they clearly, so everyone that was on the bill is either a part of the pivot gang, or they're, uh, you know, featured on a song, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're, like, they're collaborating with each other. They're all from Chicago. It's a Chicago rap scene thing, and... Um, it rules. They're, they're phenomenal. Like they're very talented and they clearly have all raised each other up, um, by having this like group identity of pivot gang. And, um, I feel like there, that isn't uncommon. There's like, you know, in Detroit, we have like the Danny Brown people. It's not just Danny Brown. He has his label. It's a, a bruiser brigade. And, uh, through his influence, he's been able to bring up a lot of other rappers from this community. Um, you know, I guess I'm just thinking of examples I know personally, like Eminem Times was a similar thing. D12, uh, 50 Cent was also through, you know, there's like the whole, there's just a, a community that formed around 
working together and having similar like thinking each other they're yeah. everyone's good at music um Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call... It just doesn't feel like there really is much of a um, a desire to work together. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, we are talking about an example of that very successfully working. Yeah, oh, and people will ask me on this tour, people ask me, like, who's cool from Detroit? Like, I loved your guys' music. Who else should I be listening to? And I tell them, like, I mean, even though Saj Talk's now split between Detroit and New York, I'm like, Saj Talk's one of my favorite bands. Um, there's a bunch of other bands. There's a playlist that's featured on our Spotify page that's, like, a bunch of Detroit bands. People, I don't even, like, necessarily love their music, but I think that they're talented and they're from Detroit, so I want them to do well because I think, like, if our scene's doing well, everyone's doing well. Um, but everyone has to have that same mindset or like us alone can't raise up a scene. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, So again, back to, uh, Lost Map. Lost Map. I mean, they're just exemplifying this attitude. Yes. At every step of the way. If I go through, um, I've got their, uh, their band Mm-hmm. And it's so, so many releases. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. The question is like, the question I have is, uh, do they, um, do, do you think there's like an intentional, like they tell people they have to post about each other? Um, oh, there's very little internet presence here. Interesting. It's all real life. This is all real life stuff. They're, they're in a very small, community in Scotland mm-hmm. and there uh, so Pictish Trail has a mild internet presence and the other artist that I found on last map that's doing like well on streaming is uh, let me back up I tried to have all these tabs Rosie Plain mm-hmm Right. That are kind of doing internet stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you, like, what's the, how many plays is, uh, like, okay, the, uh... So Rosie Plain, uh, 50,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Okay. A million plays. Uh-huh. On a couple of tracks. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a significant, if they're all real people and those aren't robots, yeah. <laughs> which is, I feel like, what you have to say first before you say that's a significant number. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they must be meaningful human beings that have decided to hit the play button. So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of artists that are on the internet, and then we're sitting at, um, like, uh, Fast Jan, who has released, uh, uh, like, a few albums this year uh-huh um and they're selling out runs of vinyl yeah on, on their band camp they're sitting at um like 500 monthly listeners you know and they they don't really have like a instagram or anything yeah they're just 
They just have actual supporters. They have actual supporters. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So, musically, you said it spans quite a bit from folk to electronic. Like, uh, here I'll just kind of, this probably won't take up our night, but, uh, you know, here's Bass Jam. And this is kind of like a... This might pick up on Mike. I don't think we can. Eh, we'll cut. I mean, just, um, you know, yeah. filling you in on. So Bastian has this kind of. Let's do it. Bastian has a, uh, you know, chamber rock thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, grooving, uh, kind of breakbeaty drums mm-hmm. with like a string quartet behind it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, very hip. Uh huh. Very low internet engagement. Constantly selling out these small, uh, you know, couple hundred final run things, and that's uh, and that's sustaining them and making them able to like constantly put out stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know that's, that's the way this is working. That's the story of Lost Map. That is basically the story of Lost Map. So we kind of left off on them turning into Lost Map in 2012 or 2013 or whatever. Um, and I assume they're still continuing as that to today. Yeah. With about the same, like, presence and output and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, we're, let's see, the latest release of Lost Map uh, is Susan Bear, who used to go by Good Dog. Ooh. And, and they, you know, uh, and I think that they, um, Susan Bear is interesting because... And Lost Map is interesting because Susan Bear's personal presence is very focused on they are a commercial sound designer uh, for, uh, you know, like major ad campaigns. Okay. And that's when you look up Susan Bear, that's like the big focus. Okay. Uh, and that's what they do professionally and they're quite good. And there's very little focus on their very prolific songwriting career that they have done for themselves. Uh-huh. Both Good Dog and Susan Bear. Uh-huh. Uh, and so whenever you look them up, it's just about, like, their commercial work, or they've done, like, some ghost writing and co-writing on other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are very involved in the fence and no map scene, and I suspect that they've been doing, like, some of the engineering for people. Oh, because it is quite good. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's my... Yeah, you're you're trying to uh, extract what you can, fill in some gaps from the internet. <laughs> yeah. So Susan Bear, their their new album releases on June 10th. Cool. And is this like a is there a spot? You know, like how a lot of scenes there's like CBGBs, right? It was the is there a spot where like Lost Map people play a lot in Scotland? I what city are we talking about? I've been to Edinburgh. 
Sounds like not a real place, but also I don't know if that's rude of me to say. <laughs> that's a great name. The Isle of Egg. That sounds like a children's book that's like has an amazing um you know, moral tale that you'll always remember. Like maybe it's a children's vegetarian vegan book. And I'm having a, I'm having a hard time if I'm being culturally insensitive to Scotland right. by either assuming that Isle of Egg is, is real is or not is not real. real. Yeah. Right, because it could be like, why would you think that's real? <laughs> it, it is real. It's real. You just said it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's spelled E I G G. I just mis I lumped it together. Oh, Isle of Egg. It's not the Isle of Egg. It's the Isle of Egg. It's real. Oh, but I wish it was Isle of Egg. We'll just call it Isle of Egg. The Isle of Egg. Pictish trail from the Isle of Egg has made a very good scene and a very yeah. All right. Cool. Like hats, off. hats off. Maybe we'll we'll visit you one day. If you have a band that you think uh, should come to our attention, please send us an email at I don't heart radio pod at gmail dot com. Subject line: Your next favorite band. And uh, if you have any stories about uh, being on tour, playing a crazy show, where something wild happened, or Anything related to travel and music and community, um, send us a funny story. Send us a wild story. Tell us about how you almost uh, made it, but then your uh, cat got lost and uh, you couldn't make a meeting and then you were dropped. Subject line, lost my cat. How could you be so hard?